On this week's episode of Pivotal Moments Podcast, we explore the journey of Scott Fairber, who gave up on the American dream to follow his calling of faith. We'll walk through the different phases of Scott's life as he openly shares his struggles, challenges, and ultimately how he found contentment by surrendering his attachment to higher purpose. Don't miss out on this inspiring story of one man's quest for spiritual fulfillment. I'm your host, Greg Carlson, Pivotal Moments Podcast. Welcome, Scott. I think that, that your story is one, uh, one to be shared with the masses, which is why we have you on here today. Sweet. Holy smokes, man. Yeah. Put her there. Yeah. Fired up. We're about to get after it today. All right. All right. We're going to share some stories because um, I think that it's inspiring what you're doing, number one. And I feel like uh, we can help a lot of people through the art of storytelling. Yeah. So the second I was chatting with you on the, the lunch table, a couple of, uh, what, like a few days ago? Yeah, Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. And today's Wednesday. Today's Wednesday. I was like, man, this is great because it's commitment and discipline. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners of the world today? Hello, uh, I'm Scott. I'm 38. I am um, uh, South Texas, uh, born and raised here in South Texas for the most part. Uh, I was up in Michigan for a while, but been in San Antonio since 2001 up until uh, May of 2002 when I sold my house and all my worldly possessions and hit the road. 2002. I'm sorry, 2022. I was going to say. Yeah, thanks for that correction. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. I was 18 years old. I've been on the road. Dude. Yeah, Yeah. that would have been way too long. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that's that's so that's incredible. So May twenty twenty two, it's January twenty twenty three. You've been on the road. You got rid of most of your worldly possessions. And yeah. what all inspired that? So uh, it's a bit of a long story, but try to encapsulate it and speed it up a bit. Uh, during COVID, I spent a lot of time um, up in Missouri at my best friend's house. He has kind of like a hobby farm. And, um, so the business that I worked in, you know, everything was like shut down. There's nobody was doing anything. So I was like, well, I can either be locked down at my house, me and my dog, or I can go up to my best friends, have a little bit of community and have some fun building some stuff, plowing the dirt, you know, planting stuff, things like that. And doing so, hobbies. Doing hobby stuff, you know? And <laughs> so I, I went up there and, um, just during that process of kind of coming back and forth, I realized that. Uh, as you know, like a lot of people had, uh, just a lot of, like, there was a shaking, you know? So there was a shaking, like in my own life, uh, there was a shaking I could see like in fellow believers and their faith. Um, but then even looking at, uh, people without faith, just the world in general, I think a lot of people were really reflecting on, you know, what's priority, like what's most important. Mm-hmm. Um, so you see so many people, which, you know, being in real estate, you see so many people moving to like most random places now, um, because, you know, that's where their family's from or whatever it is. So moving from California or from New York or wherever, and just landing in, in seemingly random places, but it's all because, uh, what I've seen is they've reprioritized their life from, we'll call it the American dream to, Hey, family's really important, you know, cause, cause this hit us all so bad that like, we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. And mm. so to be around good friends and community and family and all that, people started reprioritizing. So having to go back and forth from my friend's house to my house, I had like a, uh, during Snowmageddon, 
Mm-hmm. If you remember, I had a pipe burst in my garage. And so it was like, I had this worry that something was going to, was going to happen, you know, while I was gone. Cause I was gone for like a couple months at a time. And so, um, more and more, I just kind of felt this burden to like untether and not just untether, but like, I wanted to make the most of this season of people seeking, you know, so believers reflecting on their own faith and being like, okay, what's going on? Like, why do I believe what I believe? And having those conversations um, and then talking to non-believers of like, there's got to be something more. Um, and even like the disillusionment, all the stuff that's happened, like with stuff with the government and all that, just kind of some of, I feel like some of the veil has been kind of lifted off to where people can see behind the curtain uh, if, if they choose to. And, and then where do you go from there? So I think meeting and talking with people that are in that space uh, was what I felt like the Lord was, was calling me to do. So um, I'm single. It's just me and my dog. And, uh, What's your dog's name? A Liberty. Yeah. Wow. So she's a, she's a dark brindle. Uh, she's a pit bull mix. Mm. So, but she's great. She's my travel buddy. Um, but um, what I... Um, Oh, you did, oh, you got me. Happened. You did that it. <laughs> you interrupted my train of thought. Dang. Um, so, but um, anyway, so, so I decided to, so I really sought the Lord because I was like, okay, Lord, I have a house, you know, I had a real estate background. So I was like, you know, I will turn it into a rental property and then, you know, just have so many rental properties. And then, so the, the American dream of acquiring and, and doubling down and then you're free and all this stuff, you know? And I really, uh, felt the Lord saying that his kingdom is not the American dream and, um, that I needed to disassociate myself from, um, let's say, we'll just call it like, and I have nothing against like being proud of where you like your country and, and all that stuff, but, but like, it's not American. Texan, or we would say Texan, American, you know, Christian, you know, son of God. It really is like, I'm a citizen of the kingdom. And then everything else is subservient to that. Everything falls underneath that. Mm. And so to look at what does that mean? And how is that going to frame my life? And if I feel the Lord's calling me to do this, what I've been calling it a Paulian journey. So like, Paulian. So if someone says, oh, a Paulian text, it's a text that uh, Paul wrote. And so a Paulian journey, I don't know if that's what it would technically be called, Sounds right. but that's what I'm calling it. So Paul, yeah. it's basically just a type of journey that Paul had. Mm. So uh, at the end of Romans, I think it was the last chapter I was struck by, this is part of the journey. Um, um, it's just a greeting. So the whole last chapter is, hey, greet so-and-so who is a fellow worker in Christ, greet so-and-so who... Uh, was in prison with me, greet so-and-so who, you know, has a house church. And it's just this long list of men and women. And you can tell they're Greek names and Hebrew names. And some people he um, was a benefactor of. So some people like, he's like, hey, I stayed at this person's house and, uh, and, and this person like I bless. And so it's just this real beautiful picture of the body of Christ, male, you know, where it says, you know, there's no longer male or female, Jew or Gentile, um, and just seeing like, um, just actually seeing that, you know, not explicit, but like it's there and just coming to that conclusion and realizing that, um, that having this kind of burden on my heart to go, you know, I had that, 
initial thought of like, well, what are people, what's society going to say about me not having a home? And, and that's contradictory. Right. To right. the hierarchy. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. And so if the Lord's telling me to do something, <laughs> regardless, I should do it. Yeah. But two, it's like, here's Paul, who like any one of us would give our left ear and, you know, eyes and stuff, I don't know, to experience and have the level of faith and depth of relationship and trust and surety that Paul did. And so we all look up to Paul, but but I never really looked at, okay, Paul didn't have a home. You know, Paul was, you know, says, I've, I've learned to be content um, in plenty and in famine, basically. That's a mm. very poor quote. But in all circumstances, he's learned. And so it's not like, Oh, Paul had all the support and he had all this money coming in and he was living high off the hog everywhere he went. And, you know, he even says like, I chose not to receive anything from y'all because I didn't want it to be a stumbling block. I didn't want you to say, oh, well, there's Paul, you know, taken from us or whatever it is. And so like Paul, um, um, anyway, so just seeing that laid out that he didn't have these things and that I felt like there shouldn't be any shame. Like if Paul was not ashamed, then I shouldn't have any shame for uh, for for following a biblical example, you know, and really going with what the uh, Lord says about, you know, it's like the wind, uh, like those who have the spirit, like the wind, like you don't know where it's coming or where it's going, you know? And so mm. I felt that sort of like, if I'm going to live by the spirit, then I need to be able to blow where the spirit would have me go, you know? And what, what kind of feedback have you received in sharing your story to whomever you've interacted with over the past few months here? Yeah, well, at, at first, when I was first uh, getting ready to sell my house, I had a whole lot of people, really good friends and family members, you know, really question me. And I took them through my, my whole journey um, of just what had been happening for even like a year or two prior and just the things that Lord, the Lord had revealed to me and put on my heart and different scriptures and how it went up. And by the time we'd get done talking, they were like, okay. Is your, is your phone ringing? Is that what that is? No, I don't think so. Oh. Um, yeah. It's just the gremlins. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, uh, yeah, there was a lot at the beginning of people like, no one's doing that. Like, oh, how do you know to model this sort of thing, basically? Or, or um, but, but yeah, a lot of questions. But by the time I would explain it all, they'd be like, okay, like, I feel better. As someone who cares about you, like, I feel at peace that the Lord's calling you into this. So, um, and the Lord, even like the sale of my house, like we listed it higher than, um, so there are all kinds of confirmations along the way, but we listed it higher than I thought I'd get for it. And then I got even more on top of that. It was like 16 offers over a weekend. Um, and so like the Lord provided, we had no, uh, you know, no repairs, no requests for anything. And it was, you know, the house was built in 1950. So there was, you know, needed work and whatnot, but, um, but I just saw like over and over like the faithfulness of the Lord to confirm that, you know, I was on the right path. And then since then, subsequently, all the travels I've done, I, I had the Lord, which we spoke a little bit about on Sunday, just place some uh, heavy burdens on my heart for different things like I was feeling for the church and even for myself. And, and, um, what would it mean specifically? Oh, so, so, um, so for probably more than a decade now, I had kind of felt that as as the culture started getting a bit more um, 
volatile, I think. I'm not sure when it was exactly, but it was about 10 years ago or so. It seemed like the heat started to kind of crank up. In what ways? Uh I, th- I think it was around like you saw the uh, like the legalization of uh, gay marriage um, and um, I don't know exactly, but there's a lot of that stuff just became became way like a lot more mainstream. Yep. And what I felt was uh, the American church was just gray. Uh, I have some missionaries um, over missionary friends over in Romania. And they've been there 22 years, and they say when they come to America, I'm like, oh, isn't it great? Like, you get to relax, and you get to, you know, go to nice places and this and that. And they said, actually, it's more difficult for us to come to the United States because the spiritual warfare is so dramatically different. Mm-hmm. Um, and that over there, it's, it's, very, um, it's very obvious. It's either darkest dark or it's lightest light. And over in America, it's more gray. And so I'd had this feeling that it was like, there's a gray American church, but that with the temperature being cranked up, that there was this like, almost like if you had like a sticky substance in your hands and you just start like pulling it apart, like gack or something, you know? Yeah. And it's like, like no longer can we, like we cannot be gray anymore. Like we're being forced into making a decision. And we were talking on Sunday about, about, about that exactly about, um, walking away and having to make the decision to go one way or another. No longer can you say, so like right now, uh, or the phrase came up, like silence is violence. And so it's like for so long, you could be silent on a topic, you know, let's say abortion. I'm not going to say anything about abortion. I'm just going to keep to myself. Well, now if you don't say anything, then it's considered violence, you know, and put that across the board. And so- that's that's exactly that that you cannot like society will not allow you to be gray the spiritual what's happening behind the scenes will not allow you to be in the middle anymore you have to decide um and so there is a counting of the cost to to follow Christ that I think is is happening and people are having to decide okay am i willing to lose my my mother my father my brother my sister and you know friends my career, am I willing to give up the American dream to follow the truth, to follow Christ, and to, to, to step fully into his kingdom? No longer um, um, putting your toes in and saying, oh yeah, I'm there. And this is what something else you spoke um, about that got me was uh, in, in Acts chapter 17, where uh, Paul is talking to the Athenians, and he says like, you know, oh, I've, you know, you're very religious in all your ways here. I see idols everywhere. Um, and uh, oh, we should almost look it up. Um, but he basically says, for so long, God to- tolerated this idolatry, but no longer. He, now he calls every man to repentance. And so it's this idea of like, God has tolerated and in his grace and his mercy has withheld his hand. Uh, over the gray American church, we'll say. And I can't speak for the rest of the world. I'm just going to speak for, for America. Yeah. But it's, it's no longer, right? There, no longer is he going to tolerate that grayness. And so we have to make a decision. And to kind of dovetail into that, I had this um, kind of picture recently about, um, you know, people are like, awake and no sleeper, right? Like, oh, people are... Um, like America's waking up, people are waking up. 
And even today, I was thinking there's a difference between waking up and waking up and getting ready, right? And so I think that some people are waking up, but they'll soon be lulled back to sleep, right? And uh, when I was on this mission trip in Romania beginning of December, we were talking about that, that the Lord waking us up, right? And what does that look like? Yeah. And I think for the longest time, like it's this tender, um, like what is his nature? So it's this tender, like as a, as a husband would wake his wife, right? Or as a, as a mother would wake their child, right? It's this very tender, hey, sweetie, good morning, you know, whatever. Um, and then it's this progressive, like I think of kids as probably a good example because you're like, okay, hey, time to wake up, you know, love you, good day, time to get ready. And then like five minutes, 10 minutes later, it's like, okay, honey, it's time to get up, you know, let's go. And then, uh, you know, then it's like, then it's like time, you know, you got to leave in like 10 minutes, you know, I was thinking about like taking the kids to school or something. It's like, okay, time to get up. Like now is the time. Like I can't, like not to say like, oh, the care and the tenderness is no longer there, but it's like the time for action is now mm. and we have a choice to make, you know, and it's not going to school. It's like, we're invited to something so much more than that. Um, and so, um, so yeah, that's a bit about the journey. Who, who, who all do you know is taking, uh, action steps similar to what you are doing? Oh, it's very interesting. Um, uh, some other members in our life group, uh, from life group for those that don't know what that is. Oh yeah. So life group, it's a basically like a Bible study group, a community group. Mm. So we'd get together once a week and uh, study scripture or a topic, and then we would just do life together. So, hey, so, oh, go ahead. Yeah. So, hey, we're going, I'm going to Torchies, you know, for dinner. Who wants to join? Or, hey, you want to go play pickleball or whatever it is, you know? So, it's just fostering relationships, fostering community, um, diving deeper, exposing yourself, being vulnerable for the sake of deeper, more intimate relationships. Mm. Um, so, we actually, Two other people in our group of less than 10 um, are on a similar journey. So one of them, Aaron, he beat me to it. Just barely, though, just barely. So he, uh, he let his uh, lease expire on his uh, apartment, and he's, he can work remotely as well. And so he's doing that. And then I where's, was, he, where's he sleep? Well, he, uh, let's see, he's at his folks right now in San Antonio. Um, but he was in Lubbock for a little while, staying with some friends. And he's still trying to figure out, like, okay, is he supposed to plant um, or not? Now, our friend Olivia is doing something a little closer to what I'm doing, uh, which is going around a bit more. But she just started her journey in November. Her lease was up. Mm. So she was in um, Romania uh, with me. And then uh, she was at her folks at Houston. And then um, she, she she's actually in... Um, uh, um, Casey, um, what is that prayer? IHOP, uh, International House of Prayer up in Kansas City. So she's there visiting some friends. Uh, it's like a 20, if you've never heard of it, it's a 24 hour, uh, 73 to 65 day, uh, like prayer house basically. So there's like always like bands that rotate, um, on what? a schedule and they just do 24 hours of worship and, and prayer. Mm. So, um, that's actually, um, went there. That was one of the catalysts to like, kick off the confirmation of like where I was going was, was I was like, 
okay, I'm going to finally go because I was like an hour and a half away. So I was like, I'm going to go up and see if the Lord has anything for me there. And he gave me um, the peace. I said, I don't have peace about this because it's it's not practical. Um, you know, it goes against, um, you know, conventional wisdom of acquisition, you know? Mm-hmm. And then two is sentimental. So I feel the Lord gave me that house during a very tender time of my life uh, where I needed a home. And so it was kind of like the place where um, I, I had a lot of like inner healing, let's say. And, um, and so I had like this real sentimental attachment to it. And so I was like, I don't have peace because uh, practical and sentimental. So you're going to have to overcome those if you want me to go down this path. And I just had it out with him there at the prayer room, basically wrestled with him, you know. And at the end of it, I was like, okay, let's go. Mm. let's do it. And it, it had been a long time since I felt that like piece of like direction um, and took off. So I've got my two friends to answer your question that are on the similar journey. Um, shout out to them. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Olivia, Aaron. And how, how long have you been uh, associated with the, the church? Well, I grew up. Um, I like to say that I, there wasn't a time I never, I didn't know the Lord. Um, I grew up in a Lutheran household. Mm-hmm. Um, both sets of my grandparents were in some form or fashion, did mission work um, and were heavily involved in ministry. My uh, paternal grandfather was a Lutheran minister for you know, 50 years or something. I don't know, a very long time. And, uh, and so I grew up Lutheran and my parents got divorced when I was going into eighth grade and then we kind of like church hopped. So we went to um, a Presbyterian church, and then we moved down to San Antonio. So we were going to like Max Lucado's Oak Hills Church, and then we are going to a Lutheran church, and then we are going to Charismatic. And it was just like all over the place. So my faith journey has been kind of running the gamut. But it's really cool because I get to see that as far as like the body of Christ is confirmed, concerned. It's it's really cool to be able to say, hey, the Lutherans have these things that are like good and valuable. Mm-hmm. And the charismatics have these things that are good and valuable. They're missing something. They're missing something. And what they're missing is like each other, you mm-hmm. know? And so to be able to get a broader perspective of the the body and and how the things that they have to offer, even though they might have certain things that are maybe incorrect or whatever, um, it, it's it's really helped me appreciate all the different, you know, flavors out there, so to say. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense, and uh, I think that's a a nice thing you've got to, got to experience throughout your life. Yeah, would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. And and to answer your question, actually, oh. I, I would say um, as far as you said, how long have you been in the church? So. I've been involved my whole life, um, and I, I never did anything crazy. You know, I was never like in a party and all that. But it wasn't until uh, I think it was 2013 that like I I made Christ Lord of my life. So I never really understood lordship. Um, it, I had gone through like a hurt with the Lord some years before, and it was like, hey, you got 30 percent, I got 70 percent. I'll come to you if I need you, if there's a big emergency, but, you know, don't come knocking on my door, you know, don't call me, I'll call you sort of thing. Mm. And, 
And it wasn't until that crisis in my life that I realized that I, my 70%, I couldn't handle, I couldn't even handle 5%, you know, and, and, um, and to say, Hey Lord, like, like you own everything, you know? And so like, I think Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And so many times he says like, he's a, he's a slave or a servant to the gospel or to Christ, you know, he's Christ's servant. And, and to realize that during that time in my life, like I was dead, like I was left for dead, so to say on the side of the road, uh, like the good Samaritan situation. And, and he's the one who, who picked me up off the road and cleaned me up and tended to my wounds and cared for me. And so I owe him everything. When you were left for dead, what, what all activities were you embarking upon? So that was... Um, Before you reached that pivot, pivot point. Oh, yeah, the pivot point. That's good. I like that. Good transition. <laughs> so for me, it was a, an unwanted and sudden divorce. Uh, we had dated for six years. We were married for three. And we were visiting my brother and his wife. And she just says, I want a divorce, like out of nowhere. And we all start laughing because we thought she was joking. And then she wasn't joking. And so it mm. was that, I think it was that night or maybe it was the next day is when I had that, that pivot and realized like, okay, Lord, I can't win her back on my own strength. I can't do life on my own strength like I thought I could. I can't do it with with the natural wisdom that you've given me, like I'm not smart enough, strong enough, wise enough to, to do it. Um, and so like, I give you full control. And what I heard in response was, if you follow me, you're going to be okay. And it wasn't, if you follow me, you're going to get her back. You know, if you, you know, and so, and, and that's what happened. The divorce ended up going through, but, the road that he led me down through that process of being intentional with every single word that came out of my mouth, every single thing that I did, um, to lay myself out bare to be, uh, um, you know, basically like a whipping post, you know, to where it's like, I knew that I, I'd, I'd go and expose my heart and I knew exactly her response was going to be like terribly wounding, but it's like, that's what I was called to do was to put it all out on the line. And, um, cause I'm responsible for me. See, my brother told me once, he said, he said uh, early on during that process, he said, um, you know, someday when you stand before God, like I want you to be clear and clean. Like, I don't want, I don't want you to have anything, um, that regrets and, and that sort of thing. And like, you don't get to stand with anybody else, you know? Well, now it's like, okay, well, Christ stands with me. But like, aside from that, I don't get to like take my ex-wife with me and be like, well, look, I, uh, my decisions were based on what she did or because of what you know, my parents or because of this person that wounded me or whatever. And it's like, at the end of the day, like I stand before God Almighty, you know? And I'm responsible for my own actions. And, um, and so... Yeah, it was just a crazy, just supernatural time of, of being able to endure, but it was extremely painful. I don't know how, but I lost like, well, I know how I lost a lot of weight, but um, I like lost all this weight and was just, I, actually my family was going to have an intervention for me over like Thanksgiving or something. 
And you said, eat this drumstick. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I would go and I would make like, I'd make a peanut butter sandwich, right? Who can't put down a, what, what, what grown man can't put down a peanut butter sandwich, you know? Especially with a cup of milk. Yeah, 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 exactly. Whole milk, right? Well, I would get like maybe halfway done and I would just feel like I was going to vomit, you know? And so I couldn't, I couldn't, like, I would just lose my appetite, you know? And so I have a, my friend, Olivia, who's on this fellow journey. I think I, I showed her a picture once. It was like one of my first Facebook pictures or whatever. And she was just like, oh my gosh, you know, cause I'm just like so skinny, um, you know, but anyway, all that to say, it was extremely difficult, but at that day at court, standing in front of the judge where the judge asks her, you know, hey, honey, you want to go through with this? And she says, yes, I do. And the judge, like, basically steps aside from the mic and, like, honey, are you sure you want to do this? And she said, yes. Called her honey? So it was something like that, probably. It was, a, it was an old lady. It was an old oh, lady. oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, but you could tell, like, the tenderness in her voice. Like, she was, like, you know, she knew that she was having some pain with that decision. But it was like, once it was done, it was like, I, I had no regrets. And that was like, I feel the gift that God gave me of like, hey, if you, if you do what I ask you to do, if you say what I ask you to say, then like, like you're not going to have all that regret. Because there, Lord knows there's so many things I could do, um, oh, yeah. you know, in retaliation or, or whatever it is that would like feel real great and would be really wounding to her. Um, oh yeah, no. But that's not like that's not what he was calling me to do, and I didn't own me anymore, you know. And so that's you know to summarize all that. Like Scott doesn't own Scott anymore, um, and and that's how I look at it. How so. does how does one, on a practical sense, right? This might be foreign terms to some out there listening. How does one get an understanding of what they're called to do in a biblical sense? Yeah, well, I think that there are. Uh, there's like big umbrella callings, you know, of just like, hey, we're called to love. And uh, as Christ set the example, you know, he's washing the feet of his disciples at the Last Supper. And he says, um, I don't remember exactly all the words, but it's really great. Um, but he says, basically, okay, I'm your teacher, right? But here I am washing your feet, doing the lowliest thing, like meant for like, the lowest servant. And he says, do likewise, do the same for each other, you know? And so it's this, it's this idea of, um, and it's also another passage talks about, you know, if you love, not just, not just like love your neighbor. And that's the thing, like, I don't want to get super like broad and just like love is love and all this stuff like that. Like, like the love of Christ is love with purpose. Um, love with, eternity attached to it. So love and faith, like anything done in faith, like can't return void. Um, I believe it produces something. And so, so anyway, there's umbrella callings to where we can say comfortably, I'm supposed to love you and care for you and serve you uh, with the love of the Lord. Right. Um, and then there are specific callings that have to do with giftings and opportunities and that sort of stuff. And Discerning that is a bit of a, a bit of an art in some sense. My pastor would say that you have 
the Word of God, the people of God, and the Spirit of God, right? So you have three ways to kind of test, you know, oh, I feel like I'm supposed to go, you know, assault someone and rob the bank, you know? And that's what I feel like God's telling me to do. So many times people are, are say that they feel like, oh, God told me to do this. And it's like, okay, well, if it doesn't agree with the Word of God, right, and the the Spirit of God and the people of God, if you were to go to, you know, pastors and elders and say, I think God's telling me I need to go assault someone and rob the bank. And they say, no, I'm pretty sure that that's not, then that's a good litmus test, right? So you have those three things to be able to say. So if everybody I talked to had said, Scott, I think that, you know, you're not hearing right and should really reconsider the journey and the path that you're on. If everyone that I talked to who I love and respect had said that to me, because uh, I had what I felt the Spirit of God tell me and the Word of God give example uh, to um, give blessing to it, let's say. But if the people are God of saying, are like, hey, I don't know that that's right, then that should cause me to, to pause and reflect and be like, okay, maybe I should you know, think about this a little bit more, ask for some more clarity. So some people get like real super clear direction from the Lord in that way or different confirmations. Um, so I have, um, there's this verse that was given to me by the missionary's daughter. She did like a Christmas like card and wrote out this Bible verse. It's Joshua 1.9, uh, which I haven't memorized it yet, but I will. Um, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? And then it goes on. It's great. It's beautiful. Um, but she gave that to me like mid-December, right before we left. And then I was visiting family um, over Christmas and New Year's. And I was visiting my sister. And she just like randomly out of nowhere was like, hey, I really think the Lord, um, you know, has a verse for you. And he just keeps bringing up um, Joshua 1.9 to me. And she quotes it to me. And I was like, I think that's the verse that the missionary's daughter gave to me. I'll have to go look. And sure enough, it was. And so it's like, it's this rant out of all the verses in the Bible and all that, um, you know, that there's this confirmation that the Lord's telling you something, that there's this guiding and, uh, and a confirmation of, of, of what, what he's doing. So on a practical sense, uh, what's something someone can do to help to, to maybe seek that, to seek that guidance? Um, well, can you clarify that question, please? Yeah, well, okay, you've heard of the term vision quest, right? Uh, Not applicable in, in the Christian church, however, perhaps a long, long time ago. Okay. People used to go on vision quest to um, get clarity. I on see. One thing or another in their life. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, what's something that perhaps in, in modern day society someone can do to help get that clarity? Like on a, on a practical aspect. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. That's really good. Um, Cause it's not like you're just driving down the road and all of a sudden, bam, I'm called to this. Right. Well, and that happens to some people, but oh. I, I think it depends on, well, I should say some believers, mm. you know? And so I guess if we're talking about people who don't, who don't have faith um, in Christ and are led by his spirit, then that's a different conversation. Um, yeah. Not, not, not that. Okay. I would say someone that's, yeah. That's involved. a believer. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's cultivating, uh, you know, Christ says, or gives the example of, you know, if you're faithful with few, you'll be, 
um, given more, right? So in so many parables, really bad, you know. <laughs> we'll take <quote>. it. <laughs> but the idea there is is that is that if you can cultivate something small, then he can give you more. And so if you say, you know, if you haven't spent any time, you know, learning about his character and nature and um, mm. cultivating his attributes and things like that and really desiring uh, to be molded in the image of Christ to um, all that, then, then to say, well, I just want to know the, the journey for my life. Um, it's not exactly this, but it's, it's almost like unearned relationship. Like the people who have been with the Lord the longest and who have, who have that track record, they can hear his voice, right? So one of the pastors, um, you know, my sheep hear my voice. And so it's like, okay, if you're just barely his sheep or if you just barely pay attention to his voice, then like you're not going to catch all the little subtle things that he's saying, you know? Mm. And it's like me and my dog, I've got all these little different commands and I've got, you know, a short whistle or a low this or that. And I can just make the smallest little noise and, and she'll come running to me, you know? And it's like, because she knows, she knows my voice and she knows our connection and our um, you know, how we communicate, you know, how I communicate to her. And so um, I think spending time in the word is one of the most important things um, because he will speak through his word. There's so much there for the Holy Spirit to bring to mind, right? That's one of his, his characters or one of the things that he does. Jesus says, you know, hey, I've, I need to go. It's good for me that I go, right? Um, this is after he's resurrected and he, before his ascension. He says, hey, look, guys, like, like I'm going to go, but don't worry, I'm going to send the helper, which is the Holy Spirit, and he's going to remind you and teach you and, and, and bring you into fullness and maturity and that sort of thing. And so the fact that the Holy Spirit, Spirit will prompt, like my sister, you know, if she didn't know Scripture, and then how would she know that, like, the Spirit brought that to her to give to me that, yes. that verse, you right. know? Right. And so being in the word and meditating on the word, not just reading, it's good to read to like, okay, read a whole length to get like a thematic overview, but to really like sit and ponder like, okay, Lord, like what are you saying in this verse? You know? For so, so those that don't know, what, what does it mean to be in the word? Oh yeah. It just means to read it and meditate on it. So you might read a verse, you might read um, a chapter. Sometimes I'll read a verse and just be on like one word and just be like meditating on that word. May I, wow, Lord, like, um, you know, how that applies to me or what is it that you want to teach me about, um, you know, this specific word or this phrase and, and just kind of let the spirit bring something into you. We went on a mission trip once and, and we got back and there's always the well, what'd you learn? You know, what's the big thing? What's your big takeaway? You know, and so we all had our prepared, our big takeaway. But what they said was, um, keep asking the Lord, like ask the Lord and you've got your big takeaway, but like, don't stop there. Keep asking what else, what else, what else? And so I did that for the first time. And it was amazing how like months and months and months later, like new things would come to my mind and my, my memory of what he was doing or what had happened. And so it's like, we can never exhaust this book and even exhaust, you know, a chapter, let's say, if we're involving the one who, who like, he had to limit himself by like 
well, English language in this situation, right? But the words on this page, like an eternal being had to communicate so much in, in text, you know? Mm. And so if say, okay, this is like step one to get in the door, but he's like, I've got so much more I want to show and reveal to you through this text and how everything comes together and interweaves and, and how it overlays um, like nature and life experience and um, relationship and just how um, something between you and I can, can provide revelation to something in here, you know, through the Holy Spirit. So uh, anyway, being in the Word is just reading, reading it, meditating on it, talking about it to other people. Hey, I read this. You know, what do you think of this passage? What is it? What do you think about? You know, this chapter, this verse, or what does this word mean to Seeking you? Seeking and understanding, it seems. Yeah. See. Yeah, I should have just said that. <laughs> no, it's really good. It's really good. And now, okay. Now, where do you? Oh, oh, yeah, this is something that's been kind of mulling around here. When okay. I, I think about, when I think about discipline, yeah, ultimate discipline, I think about monks for some reason. Yeah. Okay? Because the little amount of things that they do, right, compared to what one can do in life, yeah. I say little, I mean on an activity level. Like, it seems like they, they meditate, they eat, they train martial arts. Oh, that kind of monk. Yeah. I was thinking of a Franciscan monk. You had me in martial arts. I was oh, like, I'm not seeing not a Franciscan, Franciscan monk no, uh, no. doing karate. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Okay, the, the, okay the, I'm following the, you. Yeah, monks in the temple. Yeah. Um, I, shoot, where am I going with this? So with someone like yourself, right, it's, it takes a big leap of faith to do what you're doing because we have these the societal pressures, We've got these models that we sometimes fall into. Yeah. And this is, a, I would say, compared to what we have going on in America, this is outside of that, that realm yeah. of that model. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. It's a big leap. Yeah. Um, how do you measure discipline? Well, a couple of interesting things. One, I think Jesus says when he's being questioned by I think Pontius Pilate, maybe. Says my kingdom is not of this world, you know, and so to me, which I can come back to, is the fundamental understanding of what I see and feel and experience is not the truest reality of what's actually, actually, actually true. Um, and so, for me, living in the light of eternity and getting my mind out of that American context and earth, you know, three-dimensional context to think of eternity, to think of the promises and all those things and what that could be like. And okay, if I believe what he says to be true, that he'll give us more than we could ask or imagine, I can imagine a lot here on earth. And if it's more than that, then like it's something different. And so you couple it all together. And so just, it, it is thinking outside the box. Um, what I did want to say, talking about monks, have you read, it's a very brief book, of some letters called, it's called Experiencing God. No, oh, I haven't. By uh, Brother Lawrence. Mm -mm. He was a monk in like, I don't know, the 1400s or something like that. But this book was really, really amazing because he has these like radical encounters with God and this radical 
um, relationship with God. Um, and so people like way up and he's like lowest. So he was like a shoe shiner or something. And then he was like a cook, you know? And so he did like, he had like, a uh, some physical disability, you know? And so he had like, he was way down on the rung. Right. And, but like all these Cardinals and upper, upper people, like eventually were like, oh my gosh, how do you have this amazing relationship? Mm. And, um, but it, it made me. What made me reflect on, um, like, what challenged me that got me to a pivot point was, okay, here's a Franciscan monk or some monk who's, who's making slop every day, you know, or shining shoes and, and, and wasting his life based on the standard that you just said, basically. He is producing nothing, right? But what if the Lord were to say, Brother Lawrence? This is what I want for you to do. It pleases me, your Lord and Father, that you should do these things, and I will pour out my love and relationship on you. Like, mm. to realize that it's like, okay, Lord, if your purposes for me are to, I don't want to name a profession because, you know, uh, I don't want to demean anybody, but like a lowest position where I'm alone all the time, I don't even like hardly have relationship with people. I'm just doing this menial task, you know, counting beans. I want you to be a, like, I will be most glorified in you if you count beans for 60 years, the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And that breaks our minds when we really start to consider that. Okay. And then we're faced with, okay, Lord, how much do I really want you how much am I willing to do what you say that you want me to do for the sake of your glory? You know, it says for, um, it pleased the father that he be crushed, right? It pleased God, the father that Christ would be crushed for us. Right. And so that was his, that was his plan. I think that was in the old taste, maybe Isaiah, a, a prophecy, but to look at, okay, what is my ego saying? I need to be successful. I need to have this status. I need to have this story. I need to have these experiences, whatever it is, versus saying, okay, Lord, if you truly define who I am, and if you ultimately are going to give me the worth, right, um, then I will submit myself to whatever my earthly eyes will say is garbage for the sake of pleasing you and having. Um, eternal rewards that I can't fathom right now. I can't even, I can't even fathom. But what's interesting about the story mm. is that, so this guy had different letters. So people would write him, you know, Hey, how do you, how do you do this? How do you do that? How do you have such an amazing relationship? And so he would just write these, these brief letters and they're just mind blowing. You could read like one letter and just be like stuck on it for a week, you know, just like in one, he says like, Oh, the first 10 years were very hard. But after that, I'm like, 10 years, or maybe it was like 20 years, but it's like 10 years of just like, like all you focus on is like experiencing God and like being in his presence. And it's just like, that's crazy. That's crazy. But because of that and his discipline, now we have this model that's like totally challenging the way that I'm perceiving my reality and the things around me and understanding um, his calling, like 
His calling might be for me to reach one person my entire life. You mm-hmm. know, it might be one specific person. Or it might be nobody. Maybe I'm never supposed to baptize somebody. I'm never supposed to whatever. But whatever it is he has for me to do, like I want to do that and not just do it, but 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 do it with gratitude and thanksgiving and say, Lord, this is what you've called me to do. This is who you've built me to be in your kingdom. Like, yes, I will do that. I'm not going to go and try to make my own existence, you know? Yes, yes well said. Um, thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. That's, man, this is, this is phenomenal. This is really, really great. Um, Scott, ha- let's say somebody wanted to reach out to you and, you know, kind of carry on this conversation we're having here today. Mm. 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 Is social media a thing in your life at this point? <sighs> not really. No. I'm just not geared that way. I know people, uh, I've had friends be like, oh, you've got to like, start a vlog and you've got to, you know, put a GoPro on and, or you should, uh, you know, write some of this stuff down. I did have a guy last night, a gentleman I just learned, uh, just, he's on your team. Uh, I can't remember. Nick? Eli. Eli. Yeah. So Eli and I were chatting and he was like, you know, you just need to do like, you just need to record it just for yourself even. Cause he's like, if God's doing all this amazing stuff in your life, like you want to have a record of it. Cause I, I kind of got out of the discipline of journaling every single day, which is sad. But I was like, yeah, if I just do like a dictation, um, then, then maybe I can do that. Um, but all that to say is some people have said that they would like to follow along my journey and some of the different things I'm learning. I haven't figured that out. I am not geared towards the discipline of social media and all that. I want to be untethered from, from that sort of stuff. Understandably but, so. Yes. Yeah. I do have a Facebook page, but I'm never really on there. Um, email. Um, yeah. That's all I got. <laughs> well, how about this? How about this? Instagram, but it's just pictures of my dog. If somebody's inspired over your story <laughs> and they would like to get in contact with you, is that something that you might be open to or are you kind of like late? Sure. You sure? Sure. I'm not sure what no would pressure. be the best avenue for that. So. Okay. But I don't, could you put my email in the bio or something? We'll or, put your email in the bio. What's, you, you want to share? Or well, sure. I, my, my last yeah. name is difficult over uh, Audible. You'd have to see it. So um, Audible, it's, it's my scott.fairber at gmail.com. Fairber. So it's S-C-O-T-T yeah. dot F-A-E-R-B-E-R at gmail.com. Yeah, it's German and it's, you know. Faber. Faber. Yeah, I think it's actually Faber. Faber. But anyway, it means to <laughs> like, to dye, like to color. Yeah. Which is interesting. So uh, I was thinking of like Smith, how like Smith is like, well, we think of like a Smith, like a blacksmith, right? Well, my name is, is you know, my last name comes from that sort of, they say, oh, it's an old German name. It means to color. Like so a trade. It's, so it's probably someone who like dyed fabric or something. So Scott, this useless information for me. <laughs> um, that's that's interesting. I yeah. didn't know that. So email, so they can yeah. put like podcast in the subject line, so I don't just like glaze over it, you know. Yeah. So so if you wanted to chat with Scott, he's open to it. Um, great conversationalist and uh, inspiring message here. 
We're going to play a quick game before we hop off, Scott. Oh. A little rapid-fire action for you. Oh, boy. Yeah, first thing that comes to mind. I thought the hot wings were going to come out or something. <laughs> <laughs> like the YouTube channel? That's a good one. So uh, first thing that comes to mind, um, yeah, okay. Your dog's favorite toy? A rope. A uh, piece of rope. Yep, tug-of-war. She loves tug-of-war. Loves tug-of-war. Mm-hmm. Uh, favorite type of taco? Oh, brisket. Shredded brisket. Shredded brisket. Tosco, taco from where? Um, homemade. Homemade brisket yeah. taco. Yeah. And uh, favorite 70s musician or band? I'm not that old. I know I look at... But Tilly. <laughs> I, I don't know. Who are the Beach Boys? Is that something? I don't know. I the think 70, so. 60s, 70s? I don't know. I grew they up... They were around. My mom had some records, so... They were around. They had what about that, the Bee Gees? I, I don't Staying really alive. know them that much. Yeah, that's a good one. See, that's, I'm really bad with names. And so it's like, oh, you play the song, I'll be like, mm. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I won't dance to it, but I could listen to it every once in a while. Okay. What about your happy place? Uh, by a stream, like out in the forest by running water. Okay. And last one, someone you'd like to meet that's alive. Oh. That you haven't met yet. Yeah. That's, one you'd love to talk to. That's really interesting. Um, I, uh, I don't know. Francis Chan. Where's Francis Chan? I don't know where he is now. I don't really follow people. Who is Francis Chan? You don't know who Francis Chan is? So Francis Chan was a, um, <laughs> he, he had like a mega church or something out in California, Sacramento or something. I don't remember. Yeah. And he basically went through like this crisis of faith of basically like, Hey, what am I doing? Like. I feel like I'm making this about me. And so he ended up basically quitting and doing more house church stuff, but he did like a bunch of international, like, hey, I think maybe we're going to go to Hong Kong or go to China or go here, go there. And so he's much more of a pro- pro- proponent of like house churches and, and that kind of stuff. So I really uh, respect right. him in a lot of ways. So like him, John Piper, um, I like both those guys a lot. So there's a good... That's a good example of like kind of two bookends. So. Francis Chan is ringing a bell now. Yeah. I knew I heard that name and it's because we were talking about him on Sunday. Oh, yeah. Check That's him out. right. Francis Chan. Folks, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Uh, make sure to reach out to Scott via email if you want to chat more about this. Uh, guys, wealth of knowledge is also uh, inspiring and easy to talk to. Uh, my name is Greg Carlson, your host, Pivotal Moments Podcast. Till next time, Austin. Cheers.